It's Friday, January 22nd. You're listening to the Tech Breakfast Podcast, the show that brings you delicious tech news headlines and all the gossipy hot takes you can handle. With Tyler Gates, Russ Cantwell, and Aaron Bewley, we're basically the tech version of The View. How's it going, fellas? It's going. Tyler, how you... Wait, wait. Tyler? Tyler? Where's Tyler? You see him? There's no Tyler this morning. There's no Tyler. No Tyler, not yet. Anyway, he's having some trouble with his laptop. If his voice just randomly drops in here in like five or 10 or 50 minutes, um, that's what happened. You guys' laptop (laughs) to work. So technical difficulties. Yeah. It's a good thing there's uh, some redundancy on this show. There's a little N plus one. So it's good. That's right. That's right. Today in tech history, well, again, like we always talk about, the website hasn't updated. So here's yesterday in tech history. Uh, So the DeLorean, DMC (gasps) 12. First started production. This is January 21st, 1981. Production of the iconic DeLorean DMC 12 sports car begins. It's interesting they call it a sports car. I don't even know that I would call it. I Bro, mean, it is a sports it's car. It's a sports car. It is, dude, but it's. So anyway, it begins in uh, Northern Ireland. Um, not really, you know, a technological achievement, as it says here, uh, but it did become a symbol of the high tech 1980s. And I, let me be fair right. there. I, yes, it is a sports car, but it's like its own class, I guess is what I mean. Yeah, you know? so it's like there's a class that's like there's there's Ferrari, and then <laughs> and then above that is the DeLorean. That's right. that sort of yeah. is that what you're trying to insinuate? Yes. Yeah, basically you have like uh, Lamborghini, then Ferrari, then you have the DeLorean DMC12. <laughs> I know no one can see the video, but you have to do your fingers like this, and you have to go Ferrari. There you go. Okay. Daddy. That's that's how you have to do it. But I mean, check out these doors, bro. I know. They open upward. Goal wing, right? Isn't that what they call it? I don't Is know. You wing? would know better than me. You're the one who builds cars. Yeah, yeah. Pretty sure that's goal wing doors. Somebody correct me if I'm off there. Uh, okay. So the other thing that uh, that stood out to me today in tech history, again, yesterday, sorry, the domain name twitter.com was registered January 21st in 2000. What is that? In the year 2000? I can't even do that. What was that? Never mind. There was some like, uh, what was that? Was that Conan O'Brien? I hope so. Yes. I like Conan. Sorry. My brain is just like bouncing off my, the inside of the skull this morning yeah. with all the, uh, the, the espresso I've, I've got going. There you go. Anyway, um, in the year 2000, January 21st, domain name Twitter.com was registered. However, it wasn't until 2006 that the domain was purchased by Twitter Inc. and took the form we know today. Uh, so it was about six years after that. And Man, the, there was I wonder, some I wonder how much they had to uh, pay the original creators to get that. I mean, yeah. good on them. Yeah, great question. I don't know. Good foresight by the original yeah. Twitter.com people. Did you know any domain squatters that would just like go out and buy stuff up that would back in the day, you know? I so I didn't, but I I had a a friend or a group of friends actually, one of which who their their father was responsible for uh like the macromedia type of software like Shockwave and uh, all of the the stuff that we'd watch videos back during the 90s on the internet. So mm-hmm. he was really wealthy, sold his sold the software to Macromedia. And so they, they kind of moved from building things to uh, thinking about things and other ideas once the, the family became really wealthy. And for a period of time during college, 
that group of friends was actually considering basically creating a business where they sat in a room, they thought of ideas to just patent and then sit on them. So similar type of idea. Uh, and it was going to be funded by my friend's dad. And they actually did it for a little while. Yeah. Um, but uh, it didn't really turn into much. Or maybe it hasn't yet. Maybe well, they thinking have of ideas... Yeah, patenting ideas feels like a little bit more value than just buying names, buying domain names and saying, um, but I, mean, uh, I would, I would like to think so. Yeah, yeah. if they ended up actually turning the, the core group, they're actually a VC based in, in Dallas now at yeah. this point. So it did turn into something relatively legitimate, but uh, it, that was kind of the thing it was born from. But I just remember, you know, being sort of a naive, like 17 year old. And I was like, man, my friends are going to be so rich with these ideas they come up with. They have so many ideas. It's going to be incredible. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, and then so there's a little bit more news around that Twitter stuff, right? So fast forward to March 21st of 2006, Jack Dorsey sends out the very first tweet. And it said, just setting up my Twitter. And he spelled Twitter T-W-T-T-R. Uh, originally called that because that domain name that I was just talking about that was set up in January 21st of 2000 was uh, taken, right? Oh. So, And I guess it was initially set up as an internal messaging service used by employees of a podcast startup. What? Maybe there's a social media empire in our future. Okay. Jack, you're coming on the show. Yeah, we got to talk about the origins a little bit more because I think I think we're linked here, you know, in a way. Yeah, us and him for yeah. sure. Futures intertwined. We'll just uh, you know when we're standing there explaining how everything got started, just you know, on the shoulders of giants. That's all. <laughs> That's right. Okay. All right. Um, so that gets us through some of the tech history that happened. Uh, other things to mention. What else? What else? What else? Oh. Tech Breakfast Podcast made its first appearance on Tech Field Day yesterday. Yeah, we did. Yeah, if y'all don't know what Tech Field Day is, um, how would you explain it, Russ? Uh, well, basically, Tech Field Day is a nerd ultra day for enterprise technology where they go through with uh, delegates, represent certain technologies, and sit in a room and with a whole bunch of people who are influential in the industry, and they go through very, very deep technical updates they get grilled with questions and uh it's all available to watch online for for people like aaron and myself to watch and learn about the technology and uh know how it'll be best for different businesses to interact with it's a it's a really really cool uh setup that they do and yeah. i think it's getting a lot of exposure through the access of digital right now that's been a little different than the traditional in-person sessions that they do yeah that's we actually have a, a tech field day delegate um who works at SHI as well. Oh, cool. Awesome. Yeah. But yes, yeah, so our Australian senior field correspondent, Kieran Sheldon, was on and announced his role with our podcast, which I thought was hilarious. I loved it. Good on you, Kieran. And uh, I was watching you uh, say it. It was funny. I can't. I couldn't tell if you were trying to say it without a smile or what. But uh, anyway. I'm going to watch it right after this. You sent me the link. Funny. I haven't watched it yet. But yeah, uh, Kieran, if you're wondering... That was the reason for the tweet shout out saying you to real MVP. <laughs> I think he was sitting there saying to myself, like, what, what actually did I do? I have no idea what happened here. So yeah, that's what it was for. Awesome, man. Okay. Um, what's, let's see. What do you want to talk about? Do you want to talk well, about space? I have something, you want to talk it, about, all right, go ahead. I just, it, this is a, it's, I don't think there's gonna be a whole lot on here, but I don't like it. 
And uh, I don't know, have you ever put much thought at all into unions or unionization? No, I have not. Um, whenever somebody says the word union, um, I think about generations gone by. I'll just say it that way. I think about I do my, as well. Yeah. My grandfather or great grandfather. Yeah. Was did did your did your great grandfather did he ever talk about it? I mean, I, I don't Both actually view them as necessarily a positive because I think they've been shown to be a negative in, in yeah. our timeline. Yeah, I mean literally the only thing I mean, my experience with them is reading about them in the history books. And, um, you know, I don't know that you, just my personal opinion and experiences, I don't think unions are the future of what we're doing. You know, I think it's going to lean more towards like the gig economy type of things. Right. Um, but no, I, my grandfather's never, I, they both died when I was like three or four or something. They were in their early fifties. So. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Well, <clears throat> the reason why I bring it up is because, you know, unions are primarily the idea, the, the idealistic version of a union is sort of equal representation of the workers, you sure. know, towards the business. And it, it's interesting. Obviously, I'd assume most businesses maybe don't love them. We know Google is, is starting one and there are some wider unions out there. We we do see some scenarios where they're absolutely needed, like esports needs them. Um, there's a CSP, CSSPA or CSPPA, something like that for Counter-Strike players. I will tell you, it's not good <laughs> uh, and it doesn't represent all players equally. So that's part of the issue is that unions can become, you know, the old boys club or they can become corrupt or whatever it might be. But I don't like to see things like this. And Instacart. I'm yes. Guessing you know I thought you were going to. Well, yeah. no, I, I was remembering. I read somebody. There was some news around this. Yeah, go ahead. Well, it's I'm just going to read the headline. And, and I just don't like it. And it says, Instacart is firing every employee who voted to unionize. And yeah. while I recognize that unions are not necessarily in the best interest of a company, I am very uncomfortable with, <clears throat> with that, I guess, is the, is the best way to put it. So I don't know. While I'm not much of a union person, I don't belong to a union. I never have. Uh, I... I don't know that that's the right way to handle it. Like that's just <laughs> right. a bad look. <laughs> it uh, is. I don't know if everyone else feels the same way, but yeah, Instacart for shame. That's did uncool. They, did they say that this is what's happening, or was it just deduced that the folks that were removed were the ones that were that had voted for it? Well, it says the, the layoffs are hitting ten unionized workers in Skokie, Illinois. Uh, in addition to the other Instacart employees. So it just basically is pointing out that there was a vote to unionize um, and they, they're firing them. The news comes as the company shuts down in-store operations at some grocery stores amid the coronavirus pandemic and doubles down on curbside pickups. So it's clear that there have been some maybe issues with the the business as well yeah. so there may be something more behind there but oftentimes and, and i don't know if this is the case and it, it doesn't say it in the article but i think a lot of people unionize under the you know need to have feel like they need to be heard and they're not being heard by the business and the business isn't maybe doing things to, to help them appropriately and i don't know if they're always valid but yeah. all it says to me is it's like if this is the reaction to someone saying that they need to be represented better, then <laughs> right. maybe you aren't a great company. I, I, right. <laughs> it's probably hearsay, so it does, but it's just, that's what it screams to me when I read yeah. this. 
So it does say they're, they actually are planning to terminate about 1,900 employees, and that will include the only unionized positions in the U.S. as well. Yeah, so the, clearly it, the business yeah. isn't going well. Yeah, it actually mentions here, representing a fulsome embrace of the gig economy. So I hadn't read that yet when I made my earlier statement, but um, that's what I, I feel and see um, when I, when I kind of look around all of the various industries, just my perception. Yeah, it's funny, and maybe we can we can talk about that on another show and do some digging. But I, because I, I've 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 read into this a little bit. I I don't know, and I think we see this a little bit with the Uber and the Lyft stuff. I just don't know how well the gig economy can support an economy as a whole. Mm-hmm. I feel like things would have to change. Like maybe UBI has to come in in order to to help yeah. with these types of things. So yeah, I, I'm not a Universal fan basic of, of the gig economy um, as like, as a means to like provide for the entire world. Yeah. Uh, I recognize it's, it's distinct benefits in certain situations, but I, I don't know. I'm yeah. not a huge proponent of the, the future is the gig. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. I don't know where I stand on UBI. Um, it's tough to reconcile in my mind watching people debate whether or not we should raise the minimum wage uh, to $15 an hour and whether or not we should provide UBI, universal, universal basic income, and then to watch our government give away hundreds of millions of dollars to other nations. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, <laughs> I mean, I'm all, I'm all about, you know, just, just from a personal perspective, like not even talking about government stuff, like, you know, get your, get yourself in order, <laughs> you know, before you go try to, before you go try to tell other people what to do or, or whatever. But I mean, I'm also, I love to support people and, you know, philanthropic and all that kind of stuff. I'm not saying I, I'm right there with you. I'm yeah. And I know you're the same. Looks for a, <clears throat> looks for a family to give money to every Christmas to make sure, you know, kids have, have a good Christmas. But at the same time, if you look at the Twitter arguments, which are just always the best entertainment you could possibly have over any yeah. issue. It's like we should have whatever it is a fifteen dollar minimum wage because Jeff Bezos makes twenty four hundred dollars a minute or something like that. I'm like, but right. why is that relevant? And, and yeah, and do you honestly think that Jeff Bezos has a kajillion dollars sitting? Is he Scrooge McDuck sitting on a whole bunch of gold coins somewhere? Right. Like, I don't think they realize that his wealth is tied into the valuation of the company yeah. that oh my he gosh, built. Dude. I saw somebody tweet the other day. They said, um, do you think we should be taxed on unrealized uh, I long-term saw capital gains? And I everyone was like, too. what are you talking about? I, I <laughs> absolutely saw possible that too. Potential income? No, what? I would. I mean, you want to talk about people who would start working through, would find additional loopholes, loopholes in, the, in the tax law? I mean, that would cause... Oh my that goodness! Would serious problems. Yes. We might see some people like Bezos start their own nation at that point. Like, sure. just, gosh, like, that's just insane to yeah. to think that that's something that they should be able to do. Yeah. Absolutely not okay. And to that point too, dude. I mean, you know, again, I'm no expert in any of this type of stuff, but I would love to see a simplification of our tax laws. You know, oh, I agree. Whatever, just call it a flat tax or or whatever it is. Um, that seems to make the most sense in my mind, man. Because it is just, it is just nutty. Yep, should be less loopholes and all that stuff. Not advocating for anyone to pay more or less. Just advocating for people to pay what they're supposed to pay. Yeah, and just simplicity. Just simplicity, right? Like if I make a dollar, ten cents goes to the federal government. Period. There you go. Whatever. Like that's it. You know. I don't know. Yeah. 
It's ridiculous. There's, we have so many people who are international <laughs> listeners right now who are probably thinking, one, America is insane, just in general, with all of the different things that we do. And two, <laughs> some of them are probably thinking we have it better or we have it worse as far as it relates to tax system. So it's this is so different depending on where you live. In the oh, world. yeah, for it's sure. Distinctly an American thing we're discussing at this moment. Yeah, well, that's right. That's that's true. I mean, everyone has probably the same sort of feels and, and reactions. I mean, like, you know, look at our brothers and sisters across the border to the north from a Canadian perspective, um, you know. Oh, yeah. Very different experience, uh, for sure, from a, a taxes and, and providership perspective and lots of different opinions and options. That reminds me, too, I saw this video the other day. Um, there was a kid and he got, I mean, I call him a kid. You know, I, I tend to say, like, older teenagers are basically adults, you know, but... Uh, or not basically, but our adults, uh, but this kid, I mean, kid, he's like 15, probably 16, something like that gets in the car and he opens up his first paycheck. And I think his dad is filming him or something. And he's like, you know, whatever he gets his like $300 or whatever for working a week, but he sees how much is coming out from taxes. And he learns on video <laughs> <laughs> that they take out your taxes before That's you incredible. get your money. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it was pretty funny. Okay. Yeah, I, I will tell you, I, I didn't have the same realization, but I did remember um, whenever I saw taxes coming out of my first paycheck or, or first couple, I I had wondered at the time, I was like, but why, if they take taxes out before you get your money, why do you pay them after too? Again, um, dude. And <laughs> I actually still don't have the answer to that question, ironically. Uh, so it's just, it's pretty funny how that, how that works out, how people have their reactions to their taxes being taken out of their checks. Yeah. Well, it's like a mob, you know, they got to make sure that they get theirs and then they want to come back and settle up and make sure that they got theirs, you know? Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, let's let's drift back towards tech. Uh, I saw this. It was kind of funny. Um, so the Volkswagen CEO joined Twitter recently. Uh, and his too. first tweet, he goes after Elon. He gets in, goes swinging. This was uh, this was yesterday. Um, so CEO of Volkswagen. He proceeds to immediately get wrecked by customers. <laughs> and I just I'm just thinking, you know, he's got a thousand replies on his first tweet. And he's like, yeah, I don't know that I was ready for this. <laughs> That's awesome. Yep. Welcome to Twitter, VW yeah. guy. Yep. Yeah. So he goes, uh, hello, Twitter. I'm here to make an impact with VW Group, especially on political issues. And of course, to get some of your market shares, Elon. After all, our ID3 and e-tron have won the first markets in Europe. Looking forward to productive discussions. Go click on that. And then you get all kinds of stuff. Just and then you get, And then you get your prototypical Twitter responses from the people. That's the people right. are there to welcome him <laughs> to, to the platform. <laughs> the only way this could have been worse would be if he would have posted it on Reddit. Like that's the only way that he would have had more <laughs> right. interesting responses. Yep. I think they call this baptism by fire. So uh, welcome to the game, sir. Okay. Um, what else you got, man? Well, uh, speaking of, of Elon Musk, did you see that he said he will give away $100 million to yeah. whoever creates the best carbon capture technology? So I'm, I guess I misunderstood that. I thought he was saying he was going to donate $100 million to the best idea. He says, uh, it looks like his quote is, I'm donating $100 million towards a, towards a prize for the best carbon capture technology. Huh. So, yeah. And he'll, he said he'll provide details next week. So it looks like okay. we're going to get some more details coming from it uh but that was that was just a tweet but it's i mean look you can imagine 
you know, he was one of the major proponents of why Signal ended up crashing, right? He tweeted, use it. And so, so many people used it that uh, it exploded. And uh, by the way, I was never affected by that. I checked the timeline. It was like it said it was down. My group had messages going the whole time. So I guess it wasn't down for everyone. However, I wonder if, you know, how much of the world could he affect with his tweets? It's like anytime he wants something to happen, like, what if he just went out there and just said something like, yeah. I don't know. Everyone just He's, be friends. And now all of a sudden, everyone are friends because yeah. Elon Musk said it on Twitter. Like that seems to be what happens Dude, whenever he crazy. does things like this. Yes. So I think we're going to get some really good carbon capture technology here in the relatively near future because yeah. of this tweet. Yeah. Yep. And someone's oh, going to get a hundred million. That's basically what's going to Yeah. Happen. I guess I misunderstood it. I thought he was saying... Um, yeah, because I saw some people responding to it, and I was like, "Yeah, that's not what he means." Because I, yeah, I just thought he was saying, "I'll give a hundred million dollars to the best idea." Or that doesn't even make yeah. sense. It says to the carbon capture technology, so I assume it has to be it. maybe a little bit more than an idea. I'm not sure, but I mean, he's donating it. I'm assuming what that means is is that he's not investing in it and he's not buying it. He's just yeah. giving whoever it is that does this the money. Yeah, is really what it comes down to. So they, you know, maybe they they get to maybe a, a phase one sort of beta or alpha or whatever becomes comes before alpha product and they take it to them, they show it and there's promise there. Okay. Here's a hundred million. Go, go make this a thing. Yeah. Which um, I think is cool. Good for him. Yeah, man. If, if, if I was, you know, the richest or the second richest man on the planet, depending on the day, cause that's how the world works. Uh, I would like to do things like that, you know? Yeah, of course, dude. And let me take this moment to um, just try to squash any of the haters that try to take that amount of money. I don't even know that I've seen it happen. But anytime you see anybody with any type of deep pockets give away money, there's immediately trolls that come out and they're like, well, that's only like 0.09% of their income. It's like, shut up. They're giving away $100 million. Say thank you and be happy. Yeah. Whenever, whenever you just, just for all the people out there who, who want to say these things, let me say it more plainly. Whenever you say that you're on the wrong side of history, just, <laughs> just know that that is never the right thing. So oh, you can man. say it. That's the country. And in some respects, the world we live in, especially with Twitter, but uh, you're on the wrong side of history. That's not a good thing. Giving away a hundred million dollars for a good purpose is a good thing. Just yes. And it always will be. All right. So, right. We talked about Black Mirror previously. Yes. Have you seen it? Which yet? I, st- have you I still it? have. I still have not seen. Okay, I couldn't remember if it was you or Tyler that hadn't seen it. Maybe it was both of y'all. But oh man, go it's watch definitely, it. Definitely me. I I definitely have not. And that's the one where like the the episodes are all different. Yes, right? they're all different stories. It's like, I mean, yeah, it's like if you walked in the library and just pulled a random book off the off the shelf for each episode. They're all different. They're different actors. They're different storylines. They're different, you know, whatever. It's all different. I've had multiple people over the years tell me that I that I need to check it out. It is on my list on Netflix. I just I just never have done it. Mostly because yeah. I don't think my wife has a whole lot of interest and we mostly watch shows together. So that's that's part of the show. Yeah. Well, let me say you should set aside some time during your work day because as CTO of a technology company, Russ, you owe it sure. to yourself because yeah. in no, the news today is a Black Mirror episode. Ooh. There was an episode. So here, let me read the headline here from Twitter. People are being reminded of the Black Mirror episode. Be right back after Microsoft files a patent for the company to potentially digitally reincarnate deceased people as chatbots. That was exactly a Black Mirror episode. 
So exactly. is Black Mirror a prophetic type of organization or what? what Either is that or Microsoft. Because I feel like is... I've heard this before. Not this specific one, but I've yeah. heard the Black Mirror episode becomes potentially real thing story before. Yeah. Oh, it happens all the time. But yeah, in that episode, if I recall correctly, basically there's a company that you can hand over files to. Like if you, I mean, your whole Twitter history, Facebook history, you know, all the texts we've already and done emails, that. all that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. But you, you basically collate this, hand it over, and then they create this AI chatbot that can engage with you as if you're texting, you know, your loved one, right? Uh, or your child or your parent or, you know, whatever. And I believe in this episode um, that this was uh, the woman's spouse or boyfriend or something like that. The advancements in the company get to the point where they now have created a robot version and they can make the person look like they did as well. And now their AI is injected into the robot. And now the person is living with that person who died, but it's like indistinguishable. Whoa. Yeah. My brain just went. <laughs> Dude, you've got to go. You've got to go watch these things. It's uh, is yeah, is there? Crazy. Are they all really dark? Because that's what I've heard is that no. they're super dark. But well, maybe that's just like the first one or first some of couple. them. Yeah, some of them are dark. Some of them are very um, um, jolting. Um, like, but man, the commentary on. I mean, some of them are pretty bright though. Uh, in in terms of kind of the stylized, you know, it's not like metalhead right is all black and white and gray and like just post-apocalyptic um escaping from a uh like a murderous um boston dynamics robot dog freaking right? boston dynamics <laughs> and there's another one murderous that's like dogs yeah there's another one that's super bright and bubbly and it's all about rating every single interaction like if you and i are on a zoom immediately after the interaction i rate you one to five stars Every time. If I go buy a coffee at a coffee shop, I'm going to rate the person I dealt with. If I bump into somebody on the road, I rate them, right? One to five stars. It's insane. It yeah, is. that's coming. That's definitely going to happen. There's going to be a rate people app. There's already a rate my friends app. I'm pretty sure. I think that's yeah. a thing. Well, you, you can exist in society based on your rating, right? Like the type of neighborhood you get to live in and the type of, you know, whatever you're allowed to buy rather than having like a, a, um, Credit score. A credit score. Yeah, exactly. If, if you're going to go buy a vehicle, they won't deal with you if you have lower than four stars. Yep. If you have a 3.96 rating. Sorry, you're not welcome in this dealership. Or I hope that happens <laughs> after I'm gone. Yeah. Uh, that's that's not something I'm interested in living in. Yeah, dude, go check it out, man. It's, it's insane. All I'll right. check it out. I promise. You checked out War Games and you're better for it. And yeah. So I will reciprocate and I will watch an episode of Black Mirror. Uh, I just may not pick the first one because I hear it's it's difficult to get through. Yeah. So the official news here is that Microsoft has gone Black Mirror. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. All right. What well, else we got? <laughs> so this kind of goes into the theme that we have a lot in our show notes, which I'm just going to, I don't know if paraphrase is the right word, maybe title, decentralize the world. That'll be part of what it is. I don't know how much we want to go into it because I know we probably want to get Tyler's opinion, but we can talk about some of it. But there is a related article on The Verge. Have you heard of Pebble before? Yeah. The, the messaging, what is it though? messaging Yeah, it's a platform. chat app, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Who, who owns it? Is it? Uh, I don't... I guess they probably list his name here. Um, Eric... Oh my gosh. Here we go again. Megakovsky. 
I think I, I think I actually did pretty well with that. I'm not you did, dude. Well, did yeah. you notice how I skirted around the VW CEO's name? Like I didn't even mention it because I didn't want to butcher it. That's right. It. I'm the I'm the official name pronouncer uh, <laughs> on on this podcast. Uh, but anyways, he so he the the headline here was about iMessage, but it, there's more here. But it says the Pebble founder promises iMessage on Android and Windows with Universal Chat app. Now, for those who do not live in America. Like iMessage is a really, really big deal here. Um, there's there's all sorts of memes about green and blue texts and stuff, and not using SMS or MMS uh, things like that. The rest of the world doesn't use the default chat app on their phone, but in the U.S., lots of iPhones, lots of iMessage. So <clears throat> there have Our been listener efforts. base is like fifty eight percent. There you go as well. Well, and, and so they they understand this. So. Yeah. Imagine in a world where if iMessage were on Android and you could you could have a better chat experience with, what? with most people, right? Now I'm interested. So this can be done. Okay. Like, I could do this today if I wanted to. Uh, it is not easy, though, as you can imagine. I mean, it requires some trickery. I mean, you have to like get an old iPhone and you have to, I guess, jailbreak instead of root since we like to make up fun terms for Apple products. Uh, you have to jailbreak it and you have to do some specific things to basically have it act as a relay for your messages. And then you can get it to go to basically anything. Well, this, uh, this, I guess it's called beeper is the app is the universal chat app that can work with like 15 different chat platforms in a single interface. That's okay. the primary thing that it, that it can do. Wait, so but say that again. Thing- so I, if I'm in beeper, I can then connect to like, iMessage and Signal, iMessage, and Signal, WhatsApp. I mean, what? all of them in Dude, one. That's interface. awesome. It is awesome, and it's the dream. Like, because I, yeah, messaging I aggregator. There have been some conversations lately. Uh, John has been talking about it a lot uh, with some other people on Twitter around messaging protocols and things like that. And why are we, you know? why are we not working on a standard that everyone can use and everyone has their own proprietary approach? Yeah. I mean, this is something that drives me insane. The proprietary nature of messaging that fragments everyone. I and agree. So, this is a really cool idea. <clears throat> it's sort of like, in my opinion, a, a stopgap. But the thing that I felt was most interesting about this, uh, and I'll see if I can find the specific uh, piece here, but they actually are using the matrix messaging protocol in order to do this, which I don't know if, you, if you've heard of this or not, but Matrix is, is basically a decentralized messaging protocol. So if you think of messaging and what we do historically, like think of Twitter, for instance. Twitter is a way of sending messages back and forth, but everything goes through a centralized server on Twitter. Matrix is a way to decentralize that. So email right now is the most decentralized form of what I'll just call universal messaging that there is. So what you have, you have email protocols underneath, but then you have Gmail and you have Exchange and you have whatever else, and they can all send messages to each other, right? So email in and of itself is decentralized, but it has individual curators that provide you a different experience and you know different options of what you can do. That's what Matrix sort of kind of is. And that's what this is built on. It says, let me see if I well, can, can find I, it. Can I drop a Morpheus quote here real quick? Please Unfortunately, do. no one can be told what the matrix is. You'll have to see it for yourself. <laughs> well, I'm going to have to try. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's, it's built on open source matrix protocol. Now, this is specifically topping or topping, talking about the beeper uh, 
uh, application. Yeah, this uh, is cool, man. Oh, actually, he actually just used this. He used a very similar uh, what? Uh, Look at Mid- that. Midjikovsky, uh previously described Nova's chat, which was the original name of this platform, relationship to Matrix as akin to Gmail's relationship with email. So he used literally the same analogy I did. Uh, and, and although the client app itself isn't open source, the bridges connecting it to, the, to other chat services are. And so that's the idea of being able to have this single protocol, but you can still have your independent platforms that you end up using. And that's the crux of a lot of the discussions going on with Twitter, Blue Sky, some, uh, I think, uh, an article that was linked to us around AI usage uh, that was from hearings back in 2019. And I know we want to talk about that more. I don't know if you want to do it now or if it's a teaser for later with Tyler, but I love this idea of the decentralization of these different things. In fact, ironically, I was thinking about this yesterday because at work we had uh, actually Dell uh, had a sponsor for our conference and it was a guy who, who talks about the power of storytelling. And, and he was talking <clears throat> just about, it? I forget his name. It's he's a, he's actually a magician and he teaches uh, David Blaine he teaches magic on online. I mean, he's incredible. Oh. It's the second time I've seen him. He's been at our conference twice. Uh, I'll, I'll find his name and, and we can link it. But I mean, he's he's incredibly entertaining. Was it? Uh, but, did he have a big beard? <clears throat> no, he did. Chris not. Ramsey? No, okay, it's not him. Never mind. Um, I just want to name a, the only a, two magicians I know. So that's it's all. an it's an Asian guy. <laughs> I think I don't know if he, he's Australian, but he's of Asian descent. Cool. Uh, so it's, it's actually he's really funny with the way he does accents and stuff. Um, it's it's really cool, but he had shared a story how Wait, it was what? like. Are you making fun of how he talks, or he does in person? He makes fun of how he that. talks. Oh, okay. like it's it's like that's part of his thing that he does. Oh, I got you. Uh, right. Yeah, it's it's really funny, and and so the the essence of of part of his message was this idea that you you need to be able to link a story to the point you're trying to make, like almost like an analogy would do, right? And that was a really, really big thing where I was <clears throat> trying to explain to some of our guys, you know, when I have conversations with customers, lots of times they, they maybe don't understand the things you're talking about. They don't have the same exposure you do. They don't do this every day. And so, yeah, because they, they were asking the me, they're like, could you, could you actually do this? And I was like, yeah, I mean, people do this all the time. It's, it's very helpful for communicating in general, whether it's with work or not. Storytelling is just very powerful. And so, I, they wanted an example. So I gave them an example that I had done when I was talking about how we went from centralized systems to disaggregated systems uh, or distributed systems in storage design. And so <clears throat> what I noticed through that time frame and through these stories that we've been talking about is how important decentralization is and has been to the evolution of technology in a myriad of different ways. Even in software development, we moved away from this idea that you created software with the intent to avoid failure to a world where we assumed failure will happen. And when it does, we handle it gracefully. And that happens by Mm. decentralizing and distributing the way applications behave. And so it ties into this whole thing. And so I was just thinking about the history of this. As time has gone on, we have decentralized a lot of the things that that were very important in order to improve them. This is talking about that with Matrix. Twitter is talking about that um, with some of the Blue Sky stuff. And I think that it's just going to grow more and more 
important to have underlying things that everyone ties into, but then to have your own platform control above that. Very similar to, ironically, probably the best messaging platform of all time, or at least not best, but most successful um, in email. I mean, email will persist. We see chat programs come and go all the time, but email is still here. Email is forever. You know, it's, it's it's a big, big thing. When I first saw this image, right? So on the link um, that Russ is referring to that I just tweeted out from the Twitter account, uh, the TBP Twitter account, in there, there's a little image of the Beeper app connecting to everything, right? To IRC, to, excuse me, to IRC, to Signal, to Twitter, to WhatsApp, to Google Chat, Instagram, um, so on and so forth. Skype. Skype, yeah. (laughs) Skype, iMessage, Telegram, um, Slack, et cetera. Google Hangouts, which what I don't is, even know if that exists anymore. Yeah. What is the security protocol? What's the security standard? What's the, you know, because whenever you talk about how like Signal functions as an example versus how WhatsApp functions, I mean, what's the, what's the supposed? That's my next question. Yeah. I have no idea because I thought about it as well with in particular Signal and WhatsApp even iMessage, um, there's a lot of, I mean, there's a whole lot of security around these systems. That's yeah. one reason why a lot of people love them. And even WhatsApp is very much so still secure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as much as people don't want to believe it. And even even my group of friends, we, we moved away from it. But uh, that's something I want to dig into more is to see how this is interacting with the systems. Because it, in any way, shape or form, if it's I, you're not supposed to be able to see any of the messages. And I assume that it can't. Sure. I assume that they still can't read these messages because if they could, then that means that none of these systems are as secure as they claim they are because the idea uh. here is that Signal and WhatsApp can't even read your messages if you wanted to. So I don't know how it happens. Um, I That's why I say I feel like this is somewhat of a stopgap, even if it's okay. not a security issue. I think the real end game is getting to where the underlying protocol is matrix and everyone is able to just use whatever platform they want, as yeah. opposed to having to use Beeper, which ironically sort of is centralizing these things. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's it's a cool program. I haven't tried it yet. I'll probably I'll probably give it a try. Yeah. Um, well, but dude, it is important to know that if you want to use this for iMessage and you know, you you don't have an iPhone. You you will have to pay for getting a jailbroken iPhone and go through some steps to set it up as a relay and all this all this stuff, which yeah. people do and it works fine. But that's you know, your average user is not going to go and do that. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, so I will say I'm a huge fan of of anything that will get me to the point where historically I was very very mobile, doing a whole lot of traveling. Um, right now it's very little mobile and very much desktop, right? Very much big, you know, screen, keyboard, mouse, all this kind of stuff. And if I come across articles or whatever, and I want to send something off to my mom, you know, or to you or, you know, whatever to my kid, it it would be really awesome if I don't have to jump off my desktop, go pick up my phone or try to figure out how to send it to my phone or find it on my phone and then send it right through that chat app. And there's just a desktop app here where I can hit up all my contacts on any different platform, uh, fire away and be able to type with much greater proficiency, uh, all that kind of stuff. So I I'm think this will work for you. Cool. Um, and I think it'll be easier for you because you have an iPhone. Cause I don't know that you have to go through as many of the, the quirks, uh, yeah. in order to get this to work. If, if you actually have and use an iPhone regularly, the issue is, is whenever you have 
a Android phone and you want to receive these messages, you have to set up that iPhone as sort of a relay. Gotcha. So, yeah. Be interesting. Cool. I'm going to give it a try. You should give it a try too. We'll review it. Yeah, man. Okay. Let me run through uh, a couple uh, other little uh, headlines here. We have about 27 more days before NASA lands a helicopter on Mars. We talked about what? this. Yeah, we talked about this early last year on the podcast before they launched it when they were building it. And uh, just as a little reminder, because people are like, hmm, how do you fly a helicopter? So it's basically this drone with uh, two propellers that spin in reverse, like your basic, you know, kind of drone helicopter that you would you would buy, you know, $20 or whatever. It's one of those, but it's much bigger, right? The body of it is about the size of a, of a human that's kind of crunched into a ball sort of a deal. Uh, but flying at the surface of Mars will be like trying to fly a helicopter at 100,000 feet on Earth. Okay. That's the difference. The air is a lot Whoa. more thin. Yeah. So what they did was they massively increased the angle of the blades, right? The angle of attack uh, to help push more air. And so, I mean, it's an experiment at this point, but uh, it'll be really cool to be able to take some aerial um, uh, video photos, all that kind of stuff. And one of the, uh, the reasons for it is to be able to get up and actually have a higher look uh, out in terms of sending the land rover or rovers around Mars, right? So we know, okay, now we want to go in this direction. Let's go check out what that is, right? Et cetera. You know what's incredible about humans is that we can do things like this and we've never been there. Like yeah. the fact that they're able, like that sentence is easy enough to understand. But yeah. if, if you look behind it, unbelievable work being done yeah. by humans to make this a thing. So just bravo to everyone that's involved putting this together. It's just incredibly cool. Yeah. And I've found a, a few people on Twitter that um, will be involved in this once the helicopter lands, uh, once the the little you know payload lands and launches the helicopter, that will be flying it or that are involved in it and all that kind of stuff. I've, I've been trying to get them on the podcast. Um, we'll see if that works out. So I'd come on, to, let's do yeah, it. Love to chat with somebody who is who is uh, related to this. So that'd be cool. Other things uh, we talked about previously, um, Alphabet. They had a loon project, right? When they were doing um, basically kind of satellite-ish based internet um, with these balloons, these uh, kind of high, real high level, um, or not high level, but like high altitude weather balloon type things. Um, they quote popped the project, but not calling it a failure, calling it a successful, uh, su successful proof of concept. So that uh, is interesting. Complete. Yeah. I mean, I guess you can you can call things whatever you want, honestly. Yeah, man. That's cool. And then there was another article that popped up, um, space-related. Uh, this was in, what is it, space, <laughs> space floaters? What? Humans could move to floating asteroid belt colony, housing millions of people within 15 years is the nope. proposal. Nope. Mm -mm. <laughs> yeah. I don't think so. I disagree. <laughs> So that was yeah, not yeah, even yeah. reading the article. Yeah, not even reading the article. They're, if they're uh, unionizing, I'm firing all of them. Like this is. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's an interesting concept in the fact, like you know, we kind of always talk about, you know, are there other, um, are there other exoplanets where we could potentially thrive? And now there's talks of there's um, like Ceres. It's the largest object in our asteroid belt. Um, and the concept of potentially putting some sort of system in there. And, and I, I don't know, but the whole point of me bringing that up was me to ask you if that's something you would go do. Uh, it and it you, looks to no. me. So if you scroll up to that picture, 
And mm-hmm. I'll describe it for the people out there. If you've ever played the video game Halo, that's what it looks like. It looks like a, a Halo ring type of thing that they're creating an, an Earth's ecosystem into. And uh, I will tell you that that becomes very troublesome for humanity. Um, I've gone through all the history of the Halo rings. And, uh, <laughs> pe- Listen, people, guys, I played Halo. This, it's not going to work. This is, this is <laughs> not what you want. It's going to bring all sorts of trouble that you don't want. Uh, you're going to have to deal with life forms that you didn't ever know existed. And yeah, so I, I don't know. I've seen this play out before. It's not good. So I'm not about it. Yeah. Um, oh, gosh. That reminds me. So last night I started a movie. Um, what is it called? The Oh, The Midnight Sky. Have you seen that on Netflix? I have not. I've I've seen the movie, but I just haven't actually watched it. But I yeah. do know, so I know what it is. We started watching it last night. And then, you know, true to my wife, she passed out within like the first 15 minutes. So I watched like another 20 minutes and then just turned it off and went to bed. But um, I'm interested in it. Uh, but it is a kind of a, um, let's see, what does it say? The, a lone scientist in the Arctic races to contact a crew of astronauts returning home to a mysterious global catastrophe. But in it, it was so cool because there's this one scene that um, there's a, I guess there's a, there's a moon of Jupiter. And I don't know if this one is real in the, in the show, they called it, I think K32. I can't really remember. I was kind of drifting off, but this lady is running across a wheat field on a moon of Jupiter. And so like, a third of the sky is made up of Jupiter. It's it's just an incredible look. Huh. I don't know, dude. I would sign up. That's all I'm saying. It's I'll just have to check it out. I'm amazed um, by you know the great outdoors up there. It's, it's yeah. Cool. Well, maybe you should play Halo again and rethink your decision. <laughs> well, Destiny, Destiny Two certainly scratches that itch for sure. <laughs> Which is anyway, whatever. Okay, we're getting way off. Yep. That's what, what else we, we got? Uh, I don't think I have anything oh, else. Sorry. <laughs> the, one of the funny reasons I brought up the Midnight Sky, uh, <laughs> we started watching it. My wife wasn't in the room when I hit play. She didn't know who was in it. And uh, the the main the main character is George Clooney. <laughs> but she said, is that George McClooney? <laughs> and I was like, what? She's like, is that George McClooney? I was like, George McClooney? She's like, wait, that's not right, is it? One of the like, cousins no, of right. the McDonald's family. That's <laughs> George McClooney. George McClooney. Very good. That was funny. That's good stuff. Yeah. Anyway. Um, I, I do have other things, but once again, they're, they're kind of related to the decentralization talk. And I think we should save that for Tyler because I know how fired he fired up he is about it. Um, and so we'll, we'll maybe save that for the next time whenever okay. he's here. Cool, man. Was um, that it? Is that, that's the show for today? I think that's the show. All right, cool. You want to shut it down? Yeah. So <clears throat> that that ends another episode of the Tech Breakfast Podcast. Thanks for joining. Uh, I don't know if we've announced this yet or not. I mean, I know it's on Twitter, but I don't know if we said it on the show. I wasn't able to join Wednesday. But we have a swag shop. And uh, you need to go check out that swag shop. I'm going to go check it out. Got all sorts of cool things on there. I think we're going to put the link in the show notes. Is that right? That's correct. Yep, we'll have it in there. So go check it out. We got all sorts of cool things. Onesies for the babies. We got masks. We got hoodies. We got sweatshirts. We got all sorts of different things in there. Uh, It's pretty cool. No hat yet, unfortunately. I want a hat. We're going to find a way to get a hat at some point. Yeah, Teespring doesn't really offer hats. Yeah, so So we'll we'll just have to find another way to figure out hats. But anyways, some of this stuff's pretty cool. Go check it out if you want to. Thanks again to everyone who supports the show. Share it, like it with your friends. We'll catch you next time.